2: Hey, y'all, since In the Heights is on its way to theaters, we are going to talk about another recent Broadway theatrical adaptation. Yeah, that's right we're talking cats. It's the 2019 movie musical that is rotten at 19% on the tomato meter with a 53% audience score. We have a very special guest today with us, Angie Han, the deputy editor and critic at Mashable, who's going to give us a little tease of what she thinks of cats. Angie, it's your cue lady. Is rotten tomatoes wrong about cats?
3: Rotten Tomatoes is limited in its ability to convey the full experience of cats via a single
2: number. (laughs) Damn, for the first time we're doing it this way, you are kicking it off with style. And with that being said, Brian, let's cue the music. All right. In just a moment, we're going to break down how we feel about the film and play some trivia. But Mark, hello, sir. Glad to be back. Uh I
0: have missed you, Jacqueline, so much. (laughs) We look, I I did a few shows without you, but luckily I didn't burn the place down. I didn't say anything too stupid. And so we're still up and running and talking about this movie. Look, Star Wars movies are fun. MCU movies are fun. This is is my most anticipated (laughs) episode of this podcast that we've ever done.
2: Yeah, it's definitely going to be playing more in my wheelhouse, but I'm so interested to hear about what you think about it. But before we do that, go ahead and tell us a brief synopsis, uh, if you can, of the movie (laughs) Cat.
0: So you got these cats, right? (laughs) That's
2: it. it, That's a synopsis. Just stop right there. You got these cats, right? You
0: got these cats and they like singing and dancing. And it's based on the smash hit Broadway musical whose music uh, you could definitely hear in the Ellis household when I was growing up because my mom and my sister, both accomplished piano players, loved playing this music and they were great at it. And then... They decided to make a movie about it and it came out a couple of years ago to much fanfare and the film itself features a bunch of cats and they're all competing for the honor of being this one cat that gets to ascend to the next level. You got a bunch of Jellicles and they have the Jellicle ball. That's what all the cats are excited about and they don't know who's going to get nominated to do what and then they eventually sing and dance their way to a climax where we do find out who gets to ascend, who gets left behind, who gets their heart broken and there's a lot of singing. There's a lot of dancing. There's a lot of CGI. Some of it good. Some of it really not good. And a whole lot of famous people thrown into this movie. And it just all adds up to cats. (laughs) That that was pretty good. That was
2: really good. Um, And I will tell a little bit story about Andrew Lord Webber describing what he thought cats was when someone tried to make it allegorical. Um, but before I do that, I want to give a big hi to someone I haven't seen in a while, but who is also somewhat newly returning. Producey Lucy. What's up, ma'am? Hey, how you guys doing? (laughs) Glad to have you back. Thank Um, you. Um, so now that we have our crew back, let's go ahead and bring in our certified guest, um, who we've already teased, um, who really came out the gate. Firing really hot. Angie, welcome to the show. I'm really excited to have you here. A new new ish LA resident who I get to chat movies with now at the AMC when we when we can. But so you think Rotten Tomatoes can't really convey everything. Like, I don't even want to try and paraphrase what you said. What did you say about Rotten Tomatoes? What is it? I don't remember word for word, but I said Rotten Tomatoes is
3: limited in its ability to convey the full experience of cats via a single number. Uh, because I feel like, you know, uh, it has a what a 19 percent and that can mean mm-hmm. a lot of things, different things to different people. And I feel like you, if I saw a film had 19 percent, most of the times I just say, like, oh, it's probably just like. Um, And we can debate whether or not this movie is bad, but it's also just kind of uh, insane and really just swings for the fences in a way that I don't... It's a love-it-or-hate-it movie in a way that I don't think the 19% really lets people know.
2: Yeah. It's kind of hard movie to even describe, which is why Mark, I give it up for you for even trying to attempt the synopsis. Um, but this was your first viewing of Cats period, like musical and theatrical. What, what, where are you feeling about it um, as far as is Rotten Tomatoes right or wrong?
0: So I, I agree with Angie in the sense that nineteen percent of when I say a movie's nineteen percent, I my first word that I would associate with any film that low, that rotten, is it's forgettable. And that is certainly not the case with cats. And sometimes I feel like even if I didn't like the movie, the effort and all of the the production that went into this, the the care the tender and love that went into making this movie. I feel like it should deserve more than 19%, but if I'm just judging it on its merits as a movie, I'm sorry. I I think Rotten Tomatoes is pretty accurate here.
2: Okay. Um, How do I say it? So I think Rotten Tomatoes is right in the sense that the film sort of deserves a 19%. (laughs) However, however... I can't not tell people like in my personal feeling like more people should see this movie in the same way. Like I cannot say The Room is a good movie, but you have to see it because mm. until you see Tommy Wiseau hump the air, you cannot really experience that. And so, yeah, you really you have to experience it. And and it's not that long ago, but. Thinking back to like the fact that I went to London to do the junket for this movie, like there was so many things with me in this movie that happened that we will get into. And I'm going to need a little trip back to what was happening. So thankfully, we have Mr. Tim Ryan, our review, our review curation manager, who's going to take us back to the time of cats with our favorite segment, Two Minutes with Tim. Brian, cue us up.
1: Two Minutes with Tim. You know, every so often a movie will come along that inspires normally mild-mannered film critics to go completely insane. In 2019, that movie was Cats. And a big reason for that was for so many, Cats was a singular experience. It was seemingly unencumbered by the usual notions of taste and sense and plot that drives most other movies. In other words, there's nothing quite like Cats. Given that so many critics watch this movie with slack-jawed fascination, the usual criteria for good or bad or fresh or rotten are a little skewed. But let's go to the numbers. Cats is rotten at 19% on the Meter with 326 reviews, and it's got a 53% audience score. So what did the critics have to say? In a rotten review, Alison Wilmore of New York Magazine slash Vulture wrote, There is something magical about the simple fact that this movie exists in all its obscene, absurd wonder, its terrible filmmaking choices, and bursts of jaw-dropping talent. However, in a fresh review, Angie Han of Mashable wrote, I gasped with laughter. I covered my face. I pulled my hair. I clasped my hands over my mouth to keep from screaming. Cats has broken me, and I've never felt happier. A pun Rotten Tomatoes critic's consensus reads, Despite its formidable cast, this Cats adaptation is a clawful mistake that will leave most viewers begging to be put out of their Sea." So, that's Cats. Jacqueline, Mark... Is cats now and forever? Or someday will it be a distant memory?
2: He had well to. Done,
0: Timmy. He
2: had to. <laughs> First of all, slack jawed fascination. Let's give it up for Mr. Tim Ryan and give it a shout out to Angie within this. This was not like planned, like we record these with Tim early, so I just love that you're in here and we <laughs> he also pulled your quote. But Let's save talking about that along with all of the other just ooey gooey greatness that is this movie uh, in movie talk. So, Brian, let's head on over to movie talk. This movie starts so early in my, like, thought process with it because I believe Mark If you saw it when I saw it, you saw it at Comic-Con 2018 when we were, like, sweatily mixing with people without fear of a pandemic-style virus. That's when the Cats trailer premiered. It was, like, July, like, literally right in the middle of Comic-Con is when that trailer premiered. And that was sort of the first, I think, visual representation of what we all thought was maybe going to happen when you hear random casting, like, James Corden and Taylor Swift and Jason Derulo mixed with Judy Dench. And and like you were like, OK, what, what are they doing here? So I'm just going to go ahead and ask you first, Mark, when you first saw the Cats trailer. And then I'll ask you, Angie.
0: I have no memory of this dropping around Comic-Con. I, I, I remember people buzzing about the Cats trailer, but my memory of it is actually in the Rotten Tomatoes office in SoCal And Lucy in particular, producing Lucy, being so excited about the trailer, she's singing the music and she was just so pumped for it. And I just remember looking at it and being like, "Okay, I know right now this is not going to be my cup of tea, but I'm probably going to have to watch this movie at some point. I didn't know that I would get to postpone that viewing for a couple of years, but then ultimately I have no recollection of this trailer during Comic-Con, but man, I really, if I was doing stand up that night, I can't believe that I didn't do my due diligence in writing jokes talking about the Cats trailer.
2: Yeah, you didn't. It was July 18th, which wow. I believe, yeah, like that's either yeah. like the Thursday or Saturday of that. Uh, G- uh, Angie, what about you? When did you see the Cats trailer and what was your initial thoughts?
3: I don't remember like the exact moment that I saw it. I remember it dropping online and everyone had like a field day on Twitter, making fun of it or just being like, OMG, WTF. What I remember is a couple months before that I was at CinemaCon and, you know, like the different studios present, like all the upcoming movies they have coming up. And we were very, we were very, very much hoping that cats would drop something. They did not. They dropped like a little sizzle reel where the actors are like, Oh, cats is very important. And, It's very innovative and exciting, like one of those. But then we just started hearing weird things like, oh, the cats are going to be cat-sized, so the sets are going to be humongous. There was all this talk of like digital for technology. And I remember just being like, I mean, at the time, I was like, this is probably going to be disappointing and it's probably going to be more like boring than I think it's going to be. But, you know, it was fun. It was fun to think about and to imagine.
2: Yeah. Okay. So I guess I'm the only one that I, I very much remember when this trailer dropped because this was what it was. First of all, Tom Hooper, like people like think of Les Mis now is like this great thing because it won a bunch of awards and it was like a big blockbuster. That was not a beloved musical. A lot of people had issues with it. And especially some of Tom Hooper's, I would say, more like. Questionable choices, like filming it live on set and having these like crazy in your face close ups to make sure people know like, oh, yeah, they're really singing live to the point where the Tonys made fun of it the year that Neil Patrick Harris hosted talking about like, oh, Tom Cooper close-ups, here we go. I watched this trailer probably 15 times the day that it came out (laughs) because it was like... And and I will give a shout out to a friend of, of ours and a friend of the podcast, Andre the Black Nerd. He did a reaction video to Cats based on my recommendation. And I'm going to go ahead and call him out for this because he was at Comic-Con and, you know, with, there's a lot for folks in the YouTube space to do at that time. But I told him, I was like, hey, I know this is not in your wheelhouse, but you need to do a reaction video to the Cats trailer. <laughs> and basically how he opens that video is how I thought of it, which is he opens it where he's just like, Ooh, what? Ooh, wow. And that was it. <laughs> and like, it's like, his reaction to that moment in the trailer is pretty much mine, which is surprise, curiosity, and then shock and awe, and then laugh. And that was basically it. And mostly because of the off-putting CGI. Like, the heads moved in the trailer. Like, in the trailer, we saw, this is not finished. And not only is it not finished, it is so not finished, I am very concerned that they will ever finish. Um, so it was one of those moments. And that happens a lot. You know, the first Aladdin trailer didn't really look as good as it would look. But man, it was it was so questionable. And I just remember being like, how are they going to try and make this look real? Because the first thing I thought is someone who's actually a fan of the musical Cats is, this is ill-conceived. And and that was basically where i went um from there cuz i remember the casting news i went from like happy to like pissed off like throughout the casting news and then the trailer just solidified me to be like oh this is going to be bad and i can't wait to see how bad it's going to be but I, mean, I couldn't
0: believe the casting news. I, w- when I was looking at the cast, I was like, "This, th- th- how is this movie possibly going to be bad? Because look at everybody. like no, Dame Judy Dench and Idris Elba and Ian McKellen, they're not going to sign on to something that's going to make them look ridiculous, right?
2: You would think. I mean, did it you think awesome. cast was good, Angie? Yeah. I was like, were you excited about the cast? Disturbed?
3: I remember it mostly just being like with every new announcement, it was like, are they just picking names out of a hat? Like, it felt like when you have like friends over and you're playing like that game where you put celebrities names in a hat and then you just kind of pick random ones. Because it was just like, like, who? What? Why?
1: Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this.
2: Because it's Cats and because it has the potential, like Universal does know how to do musicals. They're they're about to do Wicked. They're doing the Madonna movie, which is going to be a musical. They're doing Dear Evan Hansen. Like Universal knows how to do that. But I'm just so concerned with just this idea of them thinking that this was going to be a good idea because it's a difficult concept. I mean, Angie, have you seen the actual musical? Like, did you? how much Cats knowledge did you have before this?
3: Not very much. Like in the months leading up to Cats coming out, like I had learned more about it because it was in the news all the time, but I had never
2: seen the stage musical. Oh, and Mark, you had none. Well, the one thing I, I did was know the
0: music though. I was very familiar with the music, particularly memory, just because I I heard it. It was like seriously, my mom and my sister loved playing, particularly the music from Cats and Phantom of the Opera. I guess we were a big Andrew Lloyd Webber household.
2: Well. Is that mean that I mean, I'll just go and ask you this when you go to the movie. Was there a scene like when you looked at it, that was a musical adaptation that you particularly vibed with? I mean, I think it's fair to say you were not about this one,
0: but and and the first musical number I, I thought kind of fell flat for me, but I did enjoy some of the ones the more comedic ones I thought were actually pulled off pretty well. My favorite musical number probably in the whole movie is when we get to the Jellicle Ball and. We're about to maybe see who gets to go to the, what is it? The heavy side layer. And, yeah. um, and Taylor Swift's cat shows up and she has this cool song and dancing. And everybody gets high on catnip. I'm like, this is, this is what I paid to see. And by the way, I did pay to stream this movie. And this is the only time I'm ever going to invoice Rotten Tomatoes for the, <laughs> the fee that I paid because I am now the proud owner of cats on a streaming service.
2: Oh, wow.
0: Yeah. I own well, it. Wait. Anybody, y'all want to come over? Come on over. Let's have a cat night.
2: I don't need to. I also own it on iTunes. (laughs) Yeah, I do as well. I think we all do because we all had to watch it around the same time. And it's not available for rent. Like they're basically like, oh, you want to see this? You need to buy it. (laughs) I don't blame them. Don't hate the player on this one because that is some great game right there. Real quick, though, Angie, is there anybody who you particularly felt in the cast was like the top and the bottom. And then I want you to talk to me about which scenes make you say to people, you have to see this. But first, who's the top in your casting estimation and who's the bottom?
3: Like who does the best?
2: Yeah, like who's your favorite cat casting in this movie and who's the worst? Um, Let me think.
3: I think that Ian McKellen's number, I think actually like genuinely works. Like he okay. puts a lot of like soul into this, uh, into this, this song about a, a cat who is thinking back on his life. And I was like, in this moment, it really clicks. Also, Ian McKellen really commits. The man licks water out of a bowl and, like, rubs up <laughs> against poles. So, like, he is one of the actors in this movie that's just like, yeah, I'm going to be a cat. I'm going to do it full on. Not going to pretend that half-ass it or pretend I'm above it. So, uh, he works. He worked really well for me. Um, and then the worst, I think, James Corden's whole thing in this, I, I was not a huge fan of. Yeah.
2: Um, I will agree with you on that with an honorable mention to Rebel Wilson. I'm yeah.
0: sorry. Yeah, um, I was going to go Rebel. Yeah. I like yeah. Corden's look. I thought he had a cool look for a cat because part of the, the problem with this movie for me is just being able to figure out which cat is who yeah. after a while. And so the ones that were more distinct, I think I, I resonated with those more. So if you're actually asking me my favorite cat, I'd probably say Old Deuteronomy just because I it was so fun to see Judy Dench in that role. But I also got to give a shout out to McCavity because it just I like the that character. It's just mm. cool. It, it's shrouded in, in mystery. And you're not really sure what's going on, what, what his M.O. is. And it's Idris Elba. So it's probably going to be good.
2: Um, Now, the scene for you, Angie, what scene do you think if you were going to say to someone, pull this up on YouTube, this is why you need to see this movie. What is it?
3: It would depend on if I was trying to convince, what I was trying to convince them of. If I'm just trying to say, look, this movie is so bananas, you need to like watch it right now. I feel like a, a good a good start is the Rebel Wilson's big number, uh, the Jenny Andy Dots one. Not because I think it's like the best number in the show or anything, in the movie or anything, but because I was watching, when I remember being in the theater and watching it and just feeling myself become unmoored from reality because, like, (laughs) she's, like, there. Then she, like, opens this curtain, and there are these, like, mice that have the faces of human children, which is, like, kind of horrifying. Then there's all these cockroaches, and they're dancing, and she's eating them. And then at some point, she unzips her skin, and there's just a whole other skin underneath. And I remember just watching that and just being like, I am losing my mind. Like, I must have taken drugs today and not realize it because— Surely nobody is actually feeding me this movie. So that was a uh, That's that's what I would show someone if I wanted to just be like, look, this movie is bananas and that's why you need to watch it. Now for the icing on the cake. Why did you want another geological life? I can't keep being in this kitchen. But I think that I think the number that actually works the best is, is Skimble Shanks is just straight up so fun. It is the yeah. best number I think in the whole
2: movie. Um, I agree with you, even though they put pants on a cat and didn't explain why he was the only cat with pants. Like, that's still to me. I'm like, I guess they needed the pants so that he could have the shoes because it's a tap number. But he's the only cat with pants.
3: Yeah. Uh, I saw someone point... I saw I saw an article where someone pointed out that I guess this movie finally answers that question, that debate we were having about how dogs wear pants, whether it would be on all four legs or just two of them. And uh, Cats does finally, I guess... Answer that question. Yeah,
0: I just thought it was very like. I, I sorry, I thought it was very European of the cats to, to just be be cool with being naked. But if you want to express yourself and wear something, then then you're cool. So I I just think that they're more progressive than humans in that way because mm-hmm. you know you, sometimes dogs are walking. You occasionally see a dog with a sweater on, and and the other dogs aren't like, hey, what's why is this one wearing <laughs> clothes? They're just like, hey, nice sweater, man. Let me smell your butt. Then they move on with their day. And I think that's what I, I totally and I also did not even like have any thought that was that one cat wearing pants. I was just like, ah, cool. pants. That was
2: exactly what I thought. Lucy, go ahead. And oh, then sorry. I, I just I just wanted to say really quick to Skimble Shank scene. I think it's the one scene in the movie that's actually better than the 1998 video production version. It's so good. And the tap dancing is I don't even think they do that in the. 1998 version so i was like holy shit this is amazing sorry yeah i just love cats i had to i had to say something no no i i agree with you (laughs) i would put that one close to the top um i would put McCavity's number before he opens and you see idris elba in brown fur that makes him look like he's really weirdly naked his number was great (laughs) up until then but as soon as he did that i was like what And Angie, your scene is actually the one where I'm like, so when I saw cats, I did then they did the like social reaction. I called it a catnip soaked fever dream that is visually laughable, but I could not look away. And the scene that makes me think of that is the Jenny scene where she skins herself and there's skin underneath. Like this is like a RuPaul wig reveal that you did not even want to think about seeing. In addition to that, there are black women cockroaches, like dancers, and these are black women, and they are dressed like cockroaches, and they like, and they're. It's like who thought this was a good idea? And the children mice. It was. Uh, it was the Borrowers <laughs> meets like Secret of the Nymph. I literally was like, "If you were sober watching this movie, you are missing this movie."
0: Yeah,
3: Please I get respectfully disagree. Up. You don't need drugs to watch cats. Because oh, cats I am not a dare kid. Watching cats is already like being on drugs.
2: Oh
0: no! I, I, yeah, well, I, I agree I with know, Angie's point. I'm not saying you don't
2: need it. I'm saying that there's an entire movie you are missing. Being sober, fair. watching this. Yes, yeah? but
0: you have to get to the right state of mind. You got to be very careful. With with how you use herbal medication, if you're watching cats, because it can mess up your dreams <laughs> that night. It mm-hmm. can penetrate your mind and not let you out. And I yeah, I, I watched this sober, and for the most part, I did have to crack a coors light at one point. But it was I, I don't know that it would have enhanced my viewing of it either way. But also give a shout out to I like the most emotional moments for me. Were, were Jennifer Hudson's cat singing. Mm. Even though I was wondering if that's real snot or not. I, I thought that it was just such great. That is what, the, the only tinge of emotion I actually felt watching this movie was, it was Grizabella. Grizabella?
3: Yeah, <laughs> Grizabella. Why do cats
0: have such complicated names? Because they they're jellicle oh, There's oh, a whole cats. song
3: about that. Yeah. There's a song about yeah. how all cats have oh. three names, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Et cetera. You should yeah. watch the movie, then you'd know.
0: Yeah. Jeez. Oh, I should watch a movie with you. I I I think we need to do like a watch along. We need to do a virtual watch along. Now that we all own the movie, we can (laughs) go back and I Mm -hmm. I can be walked through what I missed.
2: (laughs) I will say this. um, God, I can't even believe I'm saying this, though. The musical of Cats itself is bizarre and has had this weird sort of Broadway dominance. It was for the longest time, the longest running Broadway musical. But it's it's weird. It's just weird. There's no real explanation. And I think it was Sondheim went to Andrew Lloyd Webber and was like, oh, I get it now. It's this allegory about homelessness and da 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 da. And that's what this is. And we're really trying to make an allusion to heaven and da da da. And and Andrew Lloyd Webber was like, it's just cats, mate. And like, (laughs) that's it. Like he's like, it's just cats. Like he has put no thought process into any of this other than cats dance and do a show. And so I think if you could just get lost in that aspect of it, you could enjoy it. But let's be real. People made fun of Cats the musical, even though it was beloved, even though it had some hits that people liked. A ton of Broadway people looked at it sort of like the McDonald's of Broadway hits. It was one of the first really sort of like commercial, you came to the town to see Broadway when Broadway switched from being this very only elite, people could see it. It was their version of the movie theater and it sort of changed into be part of the tourist experience of going to New York. Cats was a big part of that switch.
0: Is that the um, is that the play or is that the Broadway show that got Android Weber sort of that reputation of being the 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 mainstream Broadway guy?
2: I mean I don't know because this was not his first it was early but it wasn't his first. I think this made him more of a populist composer yeah I will say that whereas in like yeah, there's people that know Steven Sondheim and they know. What he's done, but I don't know. I think there's a different level to it. There's other, always a different level to everything. What other musicals has he done for those listeners in Nebraska who may not follow?
0: I just know uh, fan of the Opera. That's it. As I say, just yeah.
2: Phantom of the Opera. Um, <laughs> let's see, Jesus Christ Superstar oh, is his I debut. He did a oh. Vita. He did um, Starlight Express, Sunset Boulevard, um, Woman White. I have in White. seen
0: Phantom, and I've seen Jesus Christ Superstar on yeah. Broadway. So I got yeah. some. I got some artistic credibility.
2: And my favorite from his filmography, Deep Blue Sea, the musical.
0: <laughs> um, is that a yeah. shout out to our expert researcher Mark Hoffmeyer? Is that, that is a, real a thing? shout
2: out? That is a real thing, and it is a shout out to Mark what? Hoffmeyer, because he did do that. Um. Wow. School of Rock. He also did the School of Rock musical adaptation, which I think is his last one that he produced. And he's a lord in the House of Lords. Um, he's like, it's, it's a different, he's a different kid. You know what I'm saying? Anyway, I think this is really funny because uh, Tom Hooper directed The Danish Girl, which won Alicia Vikander. And I believe also Eddie Redmayne Oscars was nominated for several. And his follow-up film... Is cats, yeah, and I just there's just a part of me that will always be like, okay, this is the guy that did the King's speech.
0: I was gonna say Oscar winner. I love 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 the King's speech, and I love what he did with it, and I love his directorial choices in this. And I think that when you watch this movie, I don't know how you felt about it, Angie, but it's almost like. Tom Hooper knew he had one choice and he's like, I'm just going to lean into the craziness of this. I'm just and I can't I can't meet the audience halfway. I have to go full nuts with this movie.
3: I agree that he went he like really committed, which is one of the things that I love about this movie is that there was no sense that these people are like kind of half assing it. But I actually feel like one of the things that makes Cats the movie so strange are all the choices that they did. Uh, made to try to make it seem more like stayed and respectable. Like the yeah. fact that they were like, no, like we, like we don't want people in like costumes. That would be crazy. We gotta, we gotta be, we gotta make this re- look respectable by employing cutting edge digital fur technology and having their ears <laughs> like twitch around and like stuff like that. And like all of that, I can see how I can kind of see how you're like, Oh, I'm going to, I'm Tom Hooper. I want like another, like lay type hit. I'm going to try to do that. Make it seem like very real and whatnot. But like, Watching it, that's exactly why it feels so bizarre. That's what launched it right into uncanny valley.
2: Yeah, um, <laughs> I wanna I wanna make sure we get a chance to talk more about the pantheon of, of cats on screen, and also a little bit more about uh, Tom Hooper. But I do want to add this one to it as well, which is that this is. More about movie musicals. There's several movie musicals that have been like put on the list of like, you can't make this into a movie. West Side Story, based on a play, has a story with three arcs. That's very easy to turn into a Broadway musical. But but Cats and prior to that, Chicago were both thought to be somewhat unfilmable in a theatrical format for a bunch of reasons. But the main one being is they're very much to the audience speaking to the audience productions. And the way they did it with Chicago is they put all the musical numbers in Roxy's head, which sounds brilliant now, but when Rob Marshall did that, it was like, blah, 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 (sighs) blah. I think Tom Hooper thought that he could do that with this. He thought that he could like make it real and so therefore make it good. And that was just like the dumbest thing I've ever seen for. But um, I'm just curious, do you think it could have ever been done accurately? Like, as a stage play, Angie, and people would have bought it like the way they bought maybe Les Mis or other music, movie musicals that people have like liked and not made fun of?
3: I mean, it's hard for me to personally imagine how that would be done. Of course, I'm also not like a, you know, big director where that's my job. So never say never. I feel like uh, animated, for example, probably would have been a much easier sell in a lot of ways with this movie because it's so wacky. Um, and I was actually just thinking, I was I was just talking just now about how, like, part of what makes Cats so weird is all the choices that it made to be respectable. And I kind of feel like if you had handed this over to someone who was more committed to, like, no, I, I like to, you know, just be, I want it to be, like, completely bold and completely crazy. Like, if they were trying harder to make it crazy, it would almost be less crazy.
2: Yeah. Like, the reason why it's bad is because they tried to make it good. Very a la The Room. Uh, Mark, this was not your Cats movie. But what's your what's your top cats movie? Like what what cat movie do you look at? And you're like, all right, I got you.
0: My top movie that is featuring cats of some sort Mm -hmm. would probably be another movie that relied heavily on CGI. And that would be The Jungle Book, the Disney version of The Jungle Book. It's got tons of cats in it and they're walking around and they're talking. They do maybe a little bit of humming, if not full on singing. But I agree with Angie. I think the only way you can make cats the Broadway play into a movie musical is to do it animated because, and that's the only way that I think that audiences would take it seriously, which sounds ironic because people sometimes associate animated movies with kids, although they are for everybody, but it's, it's the same thing with comedy. Like you can get away with so much more in the world of animation, if you're if you're the Simpsons or Family Guy, as opposed to what well, you can just get away with, where that line is, where you're pushing the envelope live action. And sometimes it just doesn't translate well, which is why I'm so curious to uh, you know, talk to people who have seen the Broadway play. And it's like, well, what was it about this? I know that it's wacky on Broadway too, but how is it the longest running show of all time? I guess it's because people love watching the live aspect of it. They love the live singing and dancing of it because the, the the choreography is great, but I think it just it's like well yeah, but you got you know thirty takes to do it in making a movie. I want to see it live once done done well.
2: All right, uh, what about you, Angie? Top Cats movie? You're a cat owner. I am a cat owner, so my
3: my actual favorite movie involving cats is every time I videotape or you know film them on my iPhone. Uh, but <laughs> my favorite movie involving a cat like any movie involving a cat?
2: Yeah, like or cat, you know, yeah.
3: I, I think that's Okay. Fair. Uh one that comes to mind that is not like this, but is I guess you could call it a musical, inside Louin Davis. Guy carries around
2: a cat for a lot of the movie.
0: Ooh, nice. Uh, actually, play. that is a
2: good pull. And the cat is a very um intricate part of the storyline. Well, not intricate, but very he helps move the story. How about that? Yes. Yeah. yeah, he's like yeah.
0: an
3: important figure in the. There's a lot of good movie. cat
0: movies out there. Life of Pi has a really cool tiger, and I really yeah. liked Life of Pi. Um, but I probably would actually redact the Jungle Book because as much as I love both versions of it, Milo and Otis, the Adventures of Milo and yeah. Otis, they're just a dog and a cat, and dogs and cats don't like each other. Well, they do in this movie, kids, because they got to survive together. It was, it was Homeward Bound before Homeward, homeward bound, bound, and it's yeah. better than Homeward Bound.
2: That movie is so good. Actually, mm-hmm. I'm with you on that one. So my favorite cat movie is um, the movie in which I knew that this filmmaker was going to do great things. Uh, and that is Mr. Jordan Peele's Keanu. Him and Kian Peele yes. did Keanu yes. that premiered at South by Southwest. And like the the <laughs> indie film kid in me would be like, watch Keddie. That's a very good cat movie. And like, you know, that's very highbrow. But seriously, Keanu... First of all, that cat is adorable, and they put him in a thug necklace with a hat, and so that right there makes him amazing. But my honorable mention is the Texas lawyer with the cat filter from earlier this year where he was on a Zoom, and he didn't realize that he had a cat filter on, and he was like, I- I'm here, um, I- I'm not a cat. <laughs>
0: Oh my gosh. I remember
2: that. (laughs) That is the best. That is cinema in motion. That is the best. Uh Oh,
0: I'm going to treat myself. Yeah, you got to check this
2: out. It is literally probably 30 seconds that will automatically make you giggle and if you can make it through the video without smiling you should seek help immediately because someone has stolen your soul real quick before we get out of here there's so many bizarre things about it like jason derulo who literally is a thirst trap in motion making him unsexy dame judy dench doing cat like leg lifts in a fur coat so i'm just gonna get you guys to just give me your like Bizarre last thoughts that that you're just like how how did they make this into a movie and then we'll we'll go ahead and do a little BTS but uh, and Angie I'll start with you any any just like I can't believe this is in this movie but it's in this movie. Uh, well, basically the whole movie, the first time I,
3: I've seen it several times at this point, but the first time I saw it, I remember being like, this is like in the first few minutes being like, this is very weird. These cats look very weird. Surely though, like, you know, it's like a two hour movie. I'll get used to it. And then just by the end, I still was just like, no, these cats are very strange, no matter how many times I see them. And then the movie ends with that, um, with Judy Dench's number, the cat is not a dog one. Uh, which is already which already, as I'm describing, it sounds like very bizarre because you're like, so Judy Dench is a cat and she sings about how a cat is not a dog. But that's not even the weirdest part. The weirdest part is she sings that directly to the camera. So you are watching this whole movie. You've been watching like all these cats have their little like Jellicle party and like, you know, introduce themselves and do all the stuff. And then suddenly, like, just as you're like, OK, I guess the movie's over. I'm going to like wrap up and get out of here. Like Judy Dench just looks straight at the camera, straight into your soul and then starts talking to you about what you were supposed to have learned, which is mainly that a cat is not a dog, which sure. I mean, that that is a true fact. And then not only that, but it also just that song also keeps going several times after you think it's finally over. <laughs> so every time I was just like, wow, this is nuts. OK, I'm going to. Oh, we're still going. So that yeah. that that I think is just the, the perfect way to finish off this movie.
2: Yeah. And with the other cats basically staring at her in the weird way you yes. we would like, yeah, we have to look interested in you looking at nothing. Uh, Mark, what is your, you know, cat's moment?
0: The one that illuminated it the most for me is when I believe it's the tap dancing number and they're all dancing on the train tracks. And that just highlighted to me in big, bold letters that they have no idea what they're doing with the aspects of the cats or how big they actually are. Because sometimes the cats seem big, like they're human size. Other times they seem like they're not even as big as a mouse, and so it's just all over the map. And that one, I'm like, I just don't think this works. by that point, if you're really if the biggest issue you have with this movie is that the cats don't stay the same size all the time, you're probably watching the wrong film.
2: Yeah. Um, I will say for me, the part that I was like, oh, oh, why uh, was the, <laughs> was the fact that when I saw it at the junket, And this is a little bit behind the scenes, but it perfectly sort of segments in that. I saw a version that was not finished. And I saw this two weeks before the movie was supposed to hit theaters. Uh. (laughs) And then I found out later that they did not actually finish this movie until the morning before the premiere. Mm -hmm. Like, that's Mm. not cutting it close. That's just insane. And for me, that the only part of the entire movie that ever looked finished was the song with Jennifer Hudson. And I came to find out later that that is the reason why that one looked the best is that was actually the test footage that they showed to Universal every time they were like, hey, how's the movie coming along? They'd be like, we got this. And they basically did like a Bernie (laughs) Madoff with the studio and be like, look how well this is going. Look at how well this is going. And that section, if you look at the movie is the best looking section and you're almost like off put by like, why does the rest of the movie look so bad in comparison? That was their bait and switch. And they just kept showing them better versions of that scene. And then they just kept hoping that the rest of the movie would follow along. And it never did to the point where they actually sent versions of the movie to theaters that they had to recall because like significant portions of it still showed like green screen. So,
0: yeah, I was going to say, did the movie ever actually get finished? Because I don't know that that's true. I know that Taylor Swift's scenes were finished. She, yes. as a cat, was finished.
2: Yes. Yeah, basically there were certain moments is. they kind of got finished and the rest mm-hmm. were crap. All right, last thoughts. Is it a cult movie? So bad it's good. Just good, just bad. Like um, Mark, I'll start with you. Where do you put it?
0: I don't think it's so bad it's good. I also don't think it's just a complete horrendous mess that no one should ever see. I think this is the very definition of a modern cult film. I'm not going to call it a cult classic. That's for the society to decide the next, you know, coming decades. But I feel like this is a movie that like Rocky Horror Picture Show or anything else, you can get together with a bunch of friends and go to a rowdy late night screening and have a lot of fun celebrating slash mocking this movie. And with this, that that Ben diagram is very overlapping with having a blast watching it and also just lampooning it the entire time.
2: I agree, uh, Angie. Where do you put it? I echo
3: most of what Mark said. I mean, before the pandemic shut down movie theaters, it it already it seemed like this film was already on its way to becoming like a cult movie because there were all those like rowdy screenings and all that stuff, and it. Uh, And one of the reasons why I so fervently enjoy defending this film is because like, sure, it makes a lot of very bizarre choices that like, you know, people like people would be like that, that that makes no sense. This doesn't look good. Like what's happening here. But like, it's also a movie that uh, I have a great time. I had a great time watching it. Everyone that I've watched it with seems to have had a great time watching it. People love to talk about this movie. And I think all of these are elements that point to something more than just. Like, it's not just, oh, this is, a, this is a bad movie and we, you know, whatever, we can forget about it. Like, it's a movie that maybe you think it's good, maybe you think it's bad, maybe you think it transcends those notions, which I feel like is kind of where I have settled. Uh, but either way, it is a, it's a movie worth talking
2: about and you don't always get that. I think, that's, I think it's special in its own way. Uh, for me, I guess I would say, again, about the same, but I call this an internet movie. This is a movie yes. that the internet birthed just stated and gave everything to it and took everything away as well. But this is a movie of the Internet, and the Internet is part of it. And that's just the way I like to think of it. And so if you're the type of person that you know maybe wanted to do the cinnamon challenge or stuff like that, like this movie, you're going to find a place for it in your heart because it's a movie of the Internet. And if all of those things sort of pass you by, you should leave this movie alone. But that's where I will put it in its recommendation. If you are one of these people that loves the absurdity that the Internet can bring, you you will be down for it. And that's saying something considering a movie called Zola, which is literally a movie that was given birth through the Internet, is coming in theaters. But until that moment (laughs) happens, cats, uh, cats will reign supreme. All right. That's it for our movie talk section. We're going to go ahead and go ahead and talk a little behind the scenes, but a little different this time. We're going to do behind the scenes trivia. So, Brian, cue us up. Okay, Mark, I think you have this one, right? You have our trivia questions?
0: I have some amazing trivia questions as written by producer Lucy, because she knows a little bit more about Cats and the franchise and the Broadway play than do I. But I did have an inkling as to what a correct answer might be for this first question. If you two are ready, Andrew Lloyd Weber, who we've been talking about, is the proud owner of an EGOT. He's got a Emmy, a Grammy, an Oscar, and a Tony Award. Can either one of you name how many EGOT winners there are?
2: How many there are? How many? Well, I know some of the names.
3: Don't so... say the names
0: yet. Just try to guess the total amount of EGOT winners. Needed oh, enough? I'm
3: bad at I'm bad at this kind of trivia. Uh, well, I'm bad at all trivia.
2: I um... think that I know four composers. Okay. One actor, one songwriter, one actress. Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and say 12.
0: Okay. Angie, I'll just, I'll I'll do over under with you. Do you think it's over or under 12?
3: I was actually going to guess 12. So uh, Mm. now I guess I will go under.
0: I would have gone under too. The answer is 16. There's been 16. So now the next question. I'll start with Angie. Angie, can you name two EGOT winners that are not named Andrew Lloyd Webber?
3: No, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm so bad at like awards trivia that my mind just goes completely okay, blank. did the you, Frozen composers get get that? Um, I believe that's a,
0: so. That's a possibility. It was the was...
3: Lopez, the Lopez, and technically yes. there's
2: two of them. Yes. Yeah. So there you go.
0: There you go. So now I'm going to make Jacqueline uh, give me two EGOT winners. Uh, John Andrew.
2: John Legend and mm-hmm. Whoopi Goldberg, but also Rita Nailed Moreno. It. Also the guys that wrote uh, Alan Menken. Uh, the guys that wrote uh, Hairspray, Mark Shaman and what's his name, right? I think
0: Jacqueline knows her stuff. I, we were looking for Mel Brooks was the correct. And answer.
2: Mel Brooks. That's the other one. Yes. Mel <laughs> okay. Brooks I did know here's, Mel Brooks, but those are the only ones I could think of. Here's
0: honestly. a very here's a very fun one that, that is more what we're talking about today, because somebody from the movie cast of Cats was originally going to be a part of the original Broadway production, but they snapped their Achilles tendon a week before the playoff. So who I know this that? one.
2: I do know this one, too.
3: Go, Go
0: ahead, ahead, Angie. Angie.
3: Oh, Judy Dench. She was mm-hmm. going to be Grizabella, right?
0: She was going to be Grizabella, and Angie gets major points for that one.
2: Yes, one of the reasons why she signed up to do the movie and probably right. bullied Ian McKellen into it. Do you think okay. she would have sung as well as Elaine Page, who ended up playing her? Was I mean, this- I don't know, but Judy Dench, was, was that for the Broadway or for the West End version? Let me double I think check. it was for the West End version because I think that's where it debuted, because it's Andrew Lloyd Webber. Yeah, I mean I it was it, the, yeah. the
0: like original, original.
2: Yeah, so. yeah. So I think that's West End. Because anyway. Elaine Page ended up um taking her place and then played that role for a hundred years. hmm
0: Yeah. All right. One big trivia question left. And unfortunately for Angie, it is another uh number question. And this time it is about the awards that cats. The movie one, but we're not talking about the Oscars. We are talking about the Razzies. How many Razzies were taken home by these kitties? Four.
2: Oh, I'm guessing.
3: Uh, totally guessing. I'm going to guess. You know, I'm going to guess high. i I'm going to guess eight.
0: All right. You two are going to be great friends because you should meet in the middle. And Six. go right to... Six. Yeah, I actually have another one more question that I think would be fun for us because we were talking about Tom Hooper and his many works prior to this um, movie. And I want everybody's take on who they think, what movie they think is the highest rated, according to Rotten Tomatoes' tomato meter, of Tom Hooper's career.
3: It should be The King's Speech. Okay. My guess is The King's Speech.
0: Okay. Okay. Um, there's a movie that I don't think I'm going to count because it's called Longford and I've never heard of it and it, it only has seven reviews, but it's a hundred percent. So what? congrats from 2006. It might be a TV drama. I'm not sure what it is, but I do know <laughs> that the King's speech rightfully so is sitting at a certified fresh number of drum roll, please. 94% on Rotten Tomatoes. And that movie did Ah. really well at the box office, too. So uh, good for him. Good for Tom Hooper.
2: Uh, That one was a TV movie. Longford.
0: Okay, well,
2: TVMA didn't come out in
0: theaters and technically doesn't count. Yeah. Yeah. And that is that is your cat's trivia for today, kids. Use it wherever you work, with your family, with your friends. Impress everyone, you know, with your knowledge of how many Razzies the movie Cats won.
2: Exactly.
0: Six Six (laughs) Six. Razzies, including worst movie,
2: including worst movie. And look, this is the thing I actually said, um, which is true. Cats was the best comedy of 2019. (laughs) Period. And people were not ready to understand and hear that because there were actually comedies in 2019. But Cats was the best comedy in 2019. And I will hear no other debates. And I don't care that it came out on Christmas. It's the facts. All right. That's it for (laughs) trivia. We're going to go ahead and go to the mailbag. Brian, take us there, please, sir. Hey, back to the mailbag, and from a member of our beloved Ketchup Crew, we have Sebastian Moreno from El Salvador. I am shout out to you, Sebastian, for emailing us. He says, "Hey, Mark and Jacqueline, Sebastian from Sebastian from El Salvador, big fan of the podcast, and each time you guys talk about any movie, you make me want to rewrite." rewatch those movies, especially the old ones. So just like you guys, I had the opportunity to see if it changes my mind of what I thought of the movie when I first watched it.
0: Well, we're putting you to the test this week, buddy. Seriously?
2: Well, I, I feel for you sir if you if you go out and get cats because that is commitment as we've said. In that spirit, we would like to uh, I would like to hear you venture into another movie ranking for RT is wrong, like when you did the Harry Potter movies. I would like to hear what you think of Christopher Nolan's movies. He is my favorite director and I do think Tenet deserves much more love than what it's getting. Ooh know if we could do the entire nolan filmography but but revisiting Tenet is something to be said because that movie that movie has baggage like the fourth time you've dated somebody it really has a lot to it
0: wow yeah i it don't does. have experience in dating somebody four times to my knowledge i also don't have experience in finishing tenant because i put it on twice and I fell asleep. Now, in my defense, or I guess the movie's defense, I was pretty tired both times, and it was later at night, so I'm not going to blame Tenet for that, but it felt like a lot of thinking was required on my part, so I'll just go ahead and say I still think my favorite Christopher Nolan movie is the one that saved us from Bat nipples. Batman Begins, I think is still my favorite.
2: Really? See, yeah. I'm going to go even weirder. My favorite Nolan movie is The Prestige.
0: It's really good.
2: Yeah. Like, he put David Bowie as Nikola Tesla, which is probably some of the greatest casting to ever hit cinemas. What about you, Angie? You got a favorite Nolan movie?
3: Uh, I... I'm gonna go with Inception probably but about Tenet I will say I have seen it twice I enjoyed it both times but I actually somehow managed to understand it less the second time (laughs) and I don't think it's a movie that you can so much understand as experience and in that sense it's a lot like Cats I guess yeah
2: you don't need to understand it you just need to experience it hey look I also give it up for him for Tenet it's the first movie where he's had a starring POC I hope that's a trend he keeps going and he cast Elizabeth DeBecchi and allowed her to wear heels anytime those two things happen for any director i'm happy i think Uh, we have a
0: great challenge for for angie uh and her great work at mashable is maybe uh try to do an article that is syncing up cats with tenant and like why they're basically the same movie (laughs) (laughs) oh my
2: gosh that would get the clicks kid that (laughs) That would get the clicks Mm -hmm. movies they both
3: have they both have people just kind of showing up and saying things to you that you're just like i don't know what you're talking about that doesn't make sense to me
2: and the costumes are interesting. I will say every suit that Robert Pattinson wore in Tenet is something that I would like to see on him more often. Oh, yes. okay. Um, I'm also telling myself in the sense that I've only read articles about the costumes and of Tenet. I've not actually seen the movie. <laughs>
0: You are so on brand for who you are, Jacqueline. That's why I, we seriously, appreciate Seriously, I
2: wrote an in de- I read an in depth article spread in GQ about all of the suits and tenant, but I did not watch the movie. But yeah, hey. look, well,
0: kids, if you're enjoying the podcast, uh, Jacqueline is just here until the Met Gala calls and says, "Hey, we need a new coordinator. We're hiring <laughs> you," because that is really her dream gig. And 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 when she gets it, all I want is just to be able to walk that carpet once in whatever I'm wearing that day.
2: I mean, literally, that is only why I'm here. I don't love movies. I am trying to get a gig in fashion. That's Mm -hmm. it. Uh, Mm -hmm. Me and Angie are going to make it happen. (laughs) If you actually (laughs) knew what me and Angie wear on a daily basis, you would find the comedy of this entire conversation even more (laughs) in depth. Mark dresses up more often than I do. Angie, ma'am, thank you so much for being here today. It was a true joy. But um, tell us, folks, what you're working on. Obviously, they can check you out at Mashable. But what's new over there and what else you got going on?
3: Uh, yeah, you can find my work on Mashable. You can also hear me about once a month on KPCC's Film Week, which is a, a radio show, like an old timey radio show, not just a podcast. Um, and you can find me on Twitter to yell about cats at a j h a n.
2: Oh, I love that. Also, we also like to ask everybody that comes in here for a recommendation movie or you can do TV if you want to, but preferably if you got a, if you got a movie reco for us. Oh, I was told I would have to answer this question, and then I just
3: completely forgot. Uh, so <laughs> I'm really sorry. Um, this is not exactly obscure, but I guess I will just go with Tenet for now because we were just talking about it. And it's a movie that I think it is his dumbest movie. And I mean that as a compliment. It is not trying to be more than it is. It's a great
2: time. Awesome. Well, then I'm going to go in here and say that uh, Netflix has a doc series called High on the Hog which talks about how food from Africa migrated to become African Amer- become African American cuisine which then became American cuisine and if you mm. ever wanted to learn about the various parts of the pig that we eat check out this movie it will make you hungry but it is really really dope high on the hog netflix i'll, wow. I'll recommend that one it's really good like and then you like want to go like eat the food like you want like when you learn about the story of mac and cheese you will never look at macaroni the same <laughs> never um. Anyway, thank you again, Angie. A big shout out to Mr. Brian Perez. I want to give a shout out too to producer Lucy. Welcome back. I'm glad to be back. Mr. Mark Ellis, you did such a good job while I was gone. I heard your your love with Naz and then also last week with Thor The Dark World. Uh, You guys have been awesome. It was uh, sad to be gone, but glad to be back. And again, please email us. Subscribe to wherever you listen to podcasts and please rate and review. We want to make sure as many folks get a chance to listen to this podcast. And next week, I really think folks are going to be excited. Mark, what do we have for next week?
0: We are getting into the world, the cinematic universe of it could involve dinosaurs at one point, the fast and the furious and the movie that we are taking a closer examination in that great franchise is Tokyo Drift, which happens to be. As of me talking about it, one of the, I think, three Fast and Furious movies that I have not yet seen. And so I am very excited to watch Tokyo Drift, particularly in the context of F9 opening up. And I'm also really excited to see Into the Heights. I haven't seen it yet, but again, I can get swept up in the world of musicals. So I am looking forward to Into the Heights.
2: Oh, you should absolutely see Into the Heights. I've seen the stage production. I have now seen the movie twice. And if you could still be surprised if you've seen... Uh, the first one with the second one and no secret here I love anything that Lin-Manuel Miranda does but he's a musical genius and he will be probably the next EGOT winner we see so there you go kids okay he's gonna beat those kids from uh, from the greatest showman if it's the last thing I do <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks again. Um, You can find me at that Jacqueline. You can find him at Mark Ellis Live. Angie, you can find at Angie Han. And uh, again, thank you all for listening. And we'll see y'all next time. Bye.